on listening to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast. Make your anime addiction worse at aaapodcast.com. And now, here are your anime addicts. Alright, so everybody, welcome to the podcast. We are joined by Peter Payne, the founder and CEO of JList.com, for an, yet another fireside chat. So, how are you doing, Peter? Uh, doing pretty good. Let me, let me move my microphone a bit, actually. It's probably far away. Okay. Yeah. Everything, everything on, good on your end? Everything's good down here in Florida. It's starting to get warm again. Um, the, the weather's starting to, it's starting to get to that time when, you know, it's, it's, the heat index is 95 at 8am in the morning and you hurry as fast uh, as you can from your car to the office. But you, you experienced a bit of that yourself recently, didn't you? Yeah, we just got done with the Phoenix show. So basically in, in May we, we get, I go to San Diego, I fly to San Diego, then we drive five or six hours to Phoenix and we have a, have a nice convention there and we, uh, you know, we, we become, sort of dried out mummies and, uh, you know, <laughs> wonder how people manage to live in Phoenix. And then we leave and we go back to San Diego and it's like, ah, it's, it's so oh nice God. and moist. And now I'm back in Japan, of course, where it's even more moist. So actually we're just starting rainy season. So right. I'm, I'm often not here. I'm often in San Diego for rainy season. So I miss it entirely, but I'll be here this time. Well, that's, that's quite a disparity because, like, everything I've heard about San Diego, the comments are, you know, some of the most beautiful weather you'll ever experience. Um, San Diego is really beautiful, but then in May and June, we have something called June gloom where it's sort of cloudy and cold, at yeah. least near the water. And if you're inland, it's a little bit different. But I'm, I'm right downtown when I'm in San Diego. Huh. And so I'm, I'm walking around going, like, too cold for shorts. I have to wear long pants, and it's quite different that's, from Japan and quite different from Phoenix. That's really weird that it, that, that would happen in June. But, um, well, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you survived Arizona and uh, that you had a successful con. You have another con coming up, do you not? Another big one. Yep. The big one is Anime Expo, and that's, of course, the, the big show for the whole anime industry, and every, every company is there doing, you know, doing their best work hopefully so we'll be there we'll have a really big booth um have some new announcements about games and other things so definitely anyone attending should make sure you come by our booth we now do a a closed booth because we sell adult products so you have to wait in line to get in the booth uh to get in that part of the booth um but of course it's really really worth it so definitely uh you know make sure you to come on inside and see all the cool stuff that we'll have prepared for you. Oh I'm I'm sure you love having a line outside your booth. That kind of thing like attracts so much attention from it's, other people. It's a bit nice. It's it's um at Anna, or at a San Diego Comic Convention we also do that and and sort of we we're like down by the edge there's a place called Anime Alley where they put the anime companies and uh, Fox will have some event and they'll have people lined up and they'll sort of line up across you know a, a room that's so crowded that it's not really safe to walk and then they'll just have a line of like 200 people in the middle of this place that's already full of people so it's kind of something of course we have a line of people right in front of our our booth and we can't right uh, you know talk to anybody so it's it's interesting to be on the on the giving end of it instead of the receiving end. So, um, 
most of my listeners and certainly myself have been to plenty of anime conventions. I think that anime fans kind of seek those out, even if they have to travel a bit. But I really love anime conventions. There, it's it's obviously like like I, I think about people who get into anime and they they're in a place. Maybe it's not a terribly interesting town or whatever, and then they can by by going to anime conventions, they can get you know groups of friends. They can just yeah. connect with people who are like them. It's just the neatest thing. And then to have you know large and small conventions if you go to you know a really big show you got a lot of stuff um phoenix is neat it's not an anime convention of course it's a general comic convention but phoenix is cool because they have so many famous stars there every year so i got to meet uh william shatner and oh. just just all these just great people it was really neat so mo- most of those and most of those con attendees they've seen the anime convention you know what it is the spectacle of it and what and what it is from from their side of the of the curtain you know what i mean from the from mm-hmm. the consumer side but what kind of what but let me peel back the curtain for a second for people that have, that don't have much knowledge of this what kind of preparation and effort does a company like jlist have to go through when you're preparing for the biggest anime con in the US really it's a year long thing we we we're always thinking about how we want to do things differently um and then like for for stock like we we have container we we prepare all the products that we're going to ship over from japan so we have a container shipping for that um and that you know like in february we'll we'll make our plans and and ship our stuff over so we're really we have to really always be thinking about the future um to plan a booth where you're basically going to have you know the better part of probably fifty thousand people will come into the booth and leave so you really have to plan you know how that's going to work okay this is how we're going to do door checking this is how we're going to do you know displaying products um and that that is a huge thing and of course we make adjustments every year back in the old days i would we would sort of have a, a standard we have like tables in, a, in an island and we'd, we'd be on one side of the table and the customers would be on the other side of the table but it really becomes that's kind of drif- difficult because you can talk to three customers at once and then there's you know a bunch of people but you can't really talk with people so the new system where we're basically inside a, a giant room that we've made is a lot better people can come in they can walk around they can talk to me they can talk to other people um and so that that's worked quite a bit better that was, last year was the first year we did that and of course we're constantly making adjustments okay. to to make it a little bit better and we've been doing this for so long it's it's i, I kind of want to write a um I want to write some kind of detailed post somewhere about for like advice for anyone interested in selling at a convention, interested in getting into that, that whole world. It's actually one of the, um, like anime itself is a a great, great place. We love anime, but it's kind of not like it's, there's not a lot of growth. You don't really see like, like they make a lot of anime and they, and they try to sell the Blu-rays for $80 and all different things that they do, but there's not a lot of sort of, growth in anime in terms of like the commercial activity obviously we buy some figures and we buy some plush toys or whatever but um conventions is the one area where really i mean every convention immediately grows to the max no no new dealers can come in um and then you know new conventions get started and they grow so i think it's conventions are one of the areas where it's like very energetic and very fun yeah so anyone who's interested in in sort of doing that maybe we could do a whole podcast just about that but yeah we probably could it's an area where if you if you take the time to develop those skills of how to plan a convention how to get stock how to sell it make a profit control your costs um and that could be like a side business almost you could just do small conventions up and down the east coast 
um, you know, there's a lot of cool options there. And if if we were not like we're we're located, our, our San Diego company is located in a place where we can do a couple of good conventions, but we really can't do a lot of the a lot of the conventions um, just because it's so far. Like we can't drive to Seattle very often. We can't drive to the good conventions in Texas. Yeah, they're so far. So we calculated once that the best place to be in terms of reaching the most conventions would be like Ohio. So anyone in Ohio or willing to go to Ohio, oh, you man. can base your company there <laughs> and then you can get to New York and get to Boston. You can get to the smaller cons that are, that are, you know, pretty energetic. There's a lot of, a lot of fans, a lot of fandom, and then you can, you know, build, you know, an anime business or, or comic business or whatever you want to do. Um, it's a, it's, we, I love conventions. It's great. I, I'd go to conventions for enjoyment. And then the fact that I can do it as a job is just even better. Oh yeah. You're, yeah. That's like truly winning right there. Yeah. Yeah. You. I mean, you could probably do weekend workshops on how to, on how to prepare for and how to successfully uh, participate in a convention. You know, since you you have so much experience doing it. People yeah, we've done it for gosh. Well, the the first the first Anime Expo was in '92, and the year before that it was called Anime Con, and that was actually our first con. We were there selling, so not as jealous, of course, just as we had like yeah. some some stuff that we wanted to sell for some reason. And we were there with a booth, but uh, yeah, we've been there from the beginning and, you know, I shudder at all the mistakes we've made over the years, but, but I, I should make too. some sort of, maybe I'll, maybe I'll just do a, a feature article for our blog. Um, and I can then refer people to that when they ask me. That's 26 years, Peter. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been a long that's time. That's pretty impressive. Um, so when you're describing the booth that, that, that you're constructing, the way that I sort of envisioned what you said was, as opposed to having like a table where you and your employees stand on one side of the table and you're facing the customers on the other side of the, the, the counter, I guess you could call it, you're having people walk inside of a, of what, of you've, of a, of a sort of room that you've constructed. Is that sort of the, uh, am I envisioning yeah, that Yeah, basically there's these like, like not pipe and drape, but there's these really nice walls that you can buy for conventions. And we have our, our logo and character printed on the other side. And so we just have sort of those unit, those pieces and we have different walls. And so it's just a, a, you just have the whole area is enclosed. Then we have a little non-adult section Yeah, we have have another table this year. Um, and then people sort of line up around the wall and then they check, they show their ID to get in and then they, then they get into the room. So I, I have I have a couple of thoughts about that room idea, and maybe you can speak to the to the to my thoughts that I'm having. Well, mm -hmm. um, I think I see like maybe three potential benefits. Like once the, once a person is inside that room, they have a lot more. They have a, a an ability to view a lot more products simultaneously. Like there's products on every wall. There's products. Right. Than, also, I feel I feel like the the sort of table counter setup that a lot of vendors do kind of uh, creates like a salesman feel, and it's not very cozy or intimate. So I feel like people would be a lot more comfortable walking into a, into a space as opposed to feeling like they're going to be like pitched a sale from, from over a counter. Um, right. Basically. So, so one of my ideas about visual novels, which we'll talk about in a bit is yeah. that, you know, again, like we've been doing this so long back in the day, visual novels, people didn't know what they were. And so I would be the guy who would stand there and explain what they were. And I would always say, no, these are not DVDs people come up and they go, oh, anime DVDs. And I would say, no, these are visual novels. They're these really cool games from mm -hmm. Japan. Some of them are, you know, have really beautiful and deep stories. Some of them are just about sex or fetishes or art or whatever. So I would sort of explain and I would say, well, if you want, you know, uh, lesbian monster girl <laughs> uh, 
you know, we've got that, we've got cat girls, we've got, you know, delicate, beautiful stories about, about two girls who fall in love. Um, and so I kind of needed to be there to, to, to be the guy to explain. And that's what I sort of did for many years. Nowadays, thankfully, people go, okay, visual novel, fine. And if they're a visual novel customer, they'll say, oh, I, I really like this artist. Let me get that game or whatever. So the, in the past year, we sort of basically had a very traditional, just, just a rack and we had the little metal pegs and we just put our games on the pegs just as if it was any retail shop anywhere. Yeah. And, and we were sort of nervous about, well, are people going to, to need me to, to go up into them and explain what the difference between school days is and, you know, this other game and school days is kind of unique because it's fully animated. Whereas the other games are, are going to be a little more traditional and and I was basically the result was that the, the game sold fine and people didn't need me to stand there and, and talk about stuff. So that was really successful where we allowed it allowed us to, you know, just just have the games over there in the corner and people would go and pick what game they want. Um, and and one of the important things like is is obviously we don't have a lot of space because there's a lot of people sitting in there. So right. just getting things up off the ground. We have these metal towers that we built and we just have shelving going up. And so we're sort of increasing our the, the surface area of products by by having them go up instead of flat on a table or something like that, which exactly. I, which worked really well. Yeah, and and you're uh, satisfying the condition of being able to card people as they go inside the room. Yeah, yeah, that, so. that worked really well too. So there's no question about, hey, did I did I check that guy's ID? Yeah, so the convention's happy. So right. um, at your at your convention this year, are since I know you guys are, are preparing for it probably vigorously at the moment. Are there any, do you have any particularly hot items? Like if, like when you, like when you're designing your booth and I am also curious as to who does the design for the, for the room and whatnot, but like, you know, like in, in like a grocery store, like we're at a target, they have like end caps where they put the hot items that are being promoted. Do you guys have like specific items that you are really anticipating being like a hot seller and you want to get that in front of people? Well, one of the, the good things about the, the private room approach that we learned is that some of the, the the real famous product that we sell, which we sell on our website jlist.com, is is male stress toys based on anime characters, and there's it's a really big famous thing. Basically, own a holes, and so <laughs> yeah. we we started bringing those to the convention, and then of course we learned that if it's a private place where you know you can just ask questions and say, hey, what about that one, and I can give you an answer. <clears throat> People were very you know very interested in buying them, whereas perhaps in a, in a more open space where you sort of had to like, you know, slip me the money and I'll slip you the thing in a bag or whatever. Um, that, that was also really, really quite different. So I think that, and we are going to be bringing a lot of those products to, to the show this year too. So that, that was really nice because some people who didn't know how to choose one, okay, well, I can give you advice. Well, this is possibly too small. So maybe you should start here. Um, you know, I can just basically give advice about the correct approach. And if you ever want advice uh, about that, anyone listening, we, yeah. I have a blog, jlist.com slash blog. One of the categories is product or product reviews where I basically write ridiculously detailed reviews of these products. And so if you're, if you ever have questions, it's an okay place to start to get, to get some answers. Yeah, that's actually a great idea because these products are a little different than I think, well, you know, they're not exactly your, um, conventional type yeah. of product so a right, little explanation yeah. goes a long way i think and i'm on there right now by the way and it's very well organized mm -hmm. so yeah you guys should go check out that blog jls.com forward slash blog i'm on there right now 
So one of, of the, I mean, just, just mobile took over. So we had like all the work we did on the website. We completely redid the website, redid the blog. And that's really basically to make sure that, that mobile users are able to visit the site and, and enjoy it. Because for, you know, 20 years, everyone looked at a computer, everyone just used a PC or a Mac. And so suddenly you've got to rip everything apart and put it back together again, thinking about mobile first. And that was that was a big challenge. And we we're really happy with the, the blog and the site now. So I'm looking at I'm looking at some of your products here and you have a uh, so I clicked on, on and this is this is sort of a uh, a uh, 18 plus question. But I'm looking at the cat girl in a hole that you need. Mm -hmm. And um, and I'm sure, you know, I, I'm not um, adept enough at Japanese to read all the product, all the packaging. But mm -hmm. what what do you think exactly makes an own a hole a cat girl own a hole? Like, how would I know? It's really just the suggestion. They're 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 making an own a hole, and they're saying, "What are the features we're going to put into this?" And of course, there's there's like like eight different major companies doing this. It's very it's a very booming industry right now. Tama Toys is the company that makes the anime parody, where they'll select a character, an anime character, and they'll sort of put her, or they'll change her a little bit. They'll put her on the on the package to just suggest, well, this is, you know, Bean uh, from from Eurocamp. There's a there's an owner hole of her, and so that's just obviously just a suggestion. And you can, you know, the the customer is going to to meet meet them halfway and say, okay, cool, that's her. Um, and then they're just basically going to to make a bunch of decisions about the the f materials used in the owner hole. Is it going to be large or small? Is it going to be, um, you know, there's there's ones that are very very realistic, and then there's ones that are they go beyond realism. There's a tentacle. It's got like little tentacles inside. And oh Lord! So you can sort of make it, you know, what do you, what kind of experience do you want? Do you want to keep it simple? Do you want to to, to sort of go crazy? Um, basically, Japan will will have something for you, and uh, you can figure out what what you think is good by reading our website it's or like, the blog, especially. It's like a choose your own adventure. You can do anything. Yeah, basically. And, uh, you know, it's all, it's all fun. It's all one of the nice things. I mean, it's, it's been, obviously I've been doing this for so long that like, like once upon a time, people would be really uptight about saying, oh yeah, sure. I do that. You know, it's, it's, it's now it's casual. Everyone's on fate, like Facebook. People used to be uptight about, look, my grandmother might see my post, so I better not talk about sex at all. And now they're like, Hey, you know, cool. I love that anime. It's got boobs. I love that on a whole. It's really good. You should buy it. And uh, so it's just I like the relaxed nature of the world we live in now. Yeah, the world is changing. And, um, you know, yeah. as the younger generations grow up, I think people are becoming less and less uptight about that sort of thing. And so right. I'm sure that's going to be good for you. So, yeah, definitely. All right. So um, I, I know we want to talk about the uh, the issues with steam and the censorship that that's been coming up but before we get to that do you have any other particularly interesting or delightful tidbits that you that, that you'd like to share about jlist things that people should know that you have coming up um mainly if you're a bl fan boys love we've got a uh, exciting bunch of announcements coming uh, you can look at our twitter we have it's called just blue uh, twitter.com slash just blue and basically we're going to be releasing the, the most famous games in, in, in the boys' love sphere are from a company called Nitro Plus. They have a brand called Kiral, which I know no one will pronounce that way because it's written Chiral. 
but Kiral is how they pronounce it in Japanese, so I have to do that. But anyway, the um, so so we're going to be bringing out these games. Uh, we finally were able to to get you know permission to, to work on these titles from Nitro Plus. Of course, Nitro Plus is the the great company that has made everything from Steins Gate to Super Sonico and all kinds of yeah. really just hard hitting anime stories, really dark stories. Uh, they are the, the the writer, the main writer at Nitro Plus is the one who wrote uh, Madoka Magica. So that's real famous, of course. Um, there's a really good game called Sayana Uta that we've been, we published a long time ago. We still have it in print, so that's really good. Um, so if you're if you like really in, in, you know intense stories, these are the stories. So so I think there'll be a lot of cool uh, you know in, in the coming years we'll be bringing out these games. The first game is t- called Sweet Pool, and we'll be hope, hopefully doing a presentation about it at Anime Expo. It's kind of up in the air right now. But anyway, so anyway, just for information, just check the Jast Blue Twitter account if you're a BL fan. Yeah, I know that we have a lot. We have a lot of listeners that are really big on Nitro Plus. So Madoka yeah. Magica is certainly being really popular and people talk about it on our Discord channel. So, yeah. So head over to that Twitter, you guys, if you want to get more information on that. So we're going to be sticking with games, I think. So... There have been some censorship issues. Now, when we now when we spoke earlier in the week, we 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 were talking about this, and and I thought you were referring to a different issue that's come up. And so there's actually been two censorship issues regarding Steam um, that that I now know of, and one of them sort of involved you, I think, and the other, to my knowledge, has not. But um, what exactly is going on here with uh, with Steam? So it's my understanding. So basically, while we were in Phoenix, so it was right at the last weekend of May, um, it, it, it sort of hit all around the web that Steam had sent letters to several visual novel publishers. Actually, not us. We weren't affected. But they they sent uh, a letter to, to various companies saying, your game is in violation of our pornography rules. You have to make these, you know, a bunch of changes like it was kind of not specified or else we'll remove your your product from Steam, and of course the the the, the main issue is that I, I guess there's there's a bunch of different issues, but a lot of companies, including us, publish an all ages version on Steam, and then they make a patch available. Um, we have a pay what you want patch for some of our um, games um, on our Just Your Say site, and then you can you can buy the game, and you can give us some support to to get the fully uncensored patch and then support, you know, the next games that we're going to make. Um, and then some companies have, have done, you know, maybe they're being more coy about it, or maybe they're putting like there's certain rules are supposed to follow. Like don't ever talk about it in the steam forums. Obviously if we're talking about it somewhere else, that's a separate issue. Um, but anyway, so, so the bottom line is that steam decided to be more grouchy about visual novels to the, to the point that a lot of games, might be removed. A lot of games that are in development might not be able to be published on Steam, which means they can never make a profit. Um, and so, you know, it's it's very very problematic because, of course, of course, we love the visual novel industry, but it has never been a very healthy industry. And the one shining light in the past five years is that a lot of games can be published on Steam, and then they'll become financially successful. And a lot of Japanese companies they just exist only to make the next game that they'll hopefully get on Steam and then make some money. Otherwise, it's just not profitable for them to publish package games in Japan. Of course, Japan follows the 
charge a hundred dollars instead of charge twenty dollars that that's sort of same as anime blu-rays that's that's sort of the way yeah. the economics works so there's not a lot of not a lot of customers who will buy a packaged game for a hundred dollars certainly there's not you know ten thousand customers for a lot of these games no. um and so it's it's caused a lot of changes in the industry um but anyway so what what just usa did and just as a reminder jlist is our retail company and just usa is our is our you know visual novel uh, development company that we've been doing side by side for more than 20 years yeah um but basically the we opened up our store we said hey anyone who has visual novels you want to publish it on our store we'll we'll you know sell it give you give you your your good cut your good cut and there'll be no need for any any censorship at all so and we struck um relationships with i think 20 different uh, different games or different publishers. And so that's been really good. We like, you know, basically it's a, it's an emergency valve so that if steam does something, well, you can get your, your fully uncensored version from just USA, you know, we've got a nice sale going, you can, you can, you know, support the companies, get these really great games that are really fun to play and then not have to worry about steam harming the industry by any decisions they make in the future. So that's, that's sort of our response. Um, We've always sort of said, like, I, I love, we, you know, Steam is a great platform. I love it. I, I use it as a gamer. Um, and having visual novel on Steam is really cool. But then the, there's a lot of downsides with that. Obviously, number one, if if one company holds through their whatever their policies happen to be, if they hold an entire industry, uh, you know, uh, hostage, that's obviously not good by, by them becoming stricter about, about sexuality in games. Yeah. So I sort of don't like what Steam has done. I mean, it's it's they um, they they extended like a, uh, a a life raft to a lot of companies that wanted to have a better outlet to distribute their products to the market. Right. And then so and the pro and, and for and, what reason? Like if you think about like well what what novel what Hollywood movie what TV show doesn't have sex in it today? Everything has sex. Yeah, in it. Yeah, exactly. And. And then, of course, there's like there's like true porn that that is porn, and we don't, you know, some people look at it, some people don't. It's all up to up to the person. But then you've got like a really, really amazing story that happens to have a sex scene or two or four uh, in it. That's you know, it's it's still a story. You go out and read novels all the time that have a sex scene and another sex scene. Of and, course. And and why should visual novels be something? You know, of course, the, the mantra is always, well, think of the children. You know, there's somewhere in the world, there's a child who bought this. Well, we know that this the way that the Internet works, obviously, any any miner can look at anything he wants with a Google search and he can probably download it for free. Probably. So that argument is just not that that's very that's very vague and very odd. So I think uh, it would be great to see the opposite result, like if Steam had a a verified age thing where yes. everyone had to verify their age. And once you did that, do whatever you want, that would be wonderful. Um, and, and they would be, you know, just for the same reason that you go to an R rated movie, maybe you show your ID if you look under 30 or something like that. Um, that, that would be a great opportunity for them to do that. Yep. Uh, for the same reason that they don't like, like they've had issues before where a game would be too violent and they would try to cancel it. And then they, I believe in those cases, they made the proper judgment of saying, hey, you know what? We're not going to do this because, of course, games have violence. It's not for us to say, well, that's too much violence or that's too little violence or whatever. And, and you know, because the, the very funny question is that violence is universally bad. There's nothing good about violence. But sex is 
nearly always great and wonderful. It, uh, 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 you know, a, a positive thing that we all want to do and we all want to see and think about, and that's fine. But why should we be, you know, allowing you know headshots of a of a prostitute, yeah, you know, knife her yeah. and steal her money? And we don't even think about that. But oh my God, a story about two people coming together and and going on a date and being shy about it, and then going on a second date and having sex at some point. I mean, that's just it's just hilarious when you stop and think about it. Um, well, it's just so human nature. Yeah, yeah. I guess we're we're all we have that conservative side, and there's always sort of the the pull, push and pull between the two sides, and really in any society. But in our, you know open-minded society we don't want to have those those limitations oh well well, I, well actually i meant that the uh, that wanting to have sex and having sex after a few dates oh. is human nature <laughs> but oh, no I, I, i'm totally in agreement with you i mean i think the united states is a little too puritanical especially about certain things um yeah it's, it's always been an issue where we, we have to deal with both sides so like like the we've got the puritanical half and yet if we said okay well because of that we'll center this game well, now everyone's mad because we censored the game. And so we have yeah, to have it can be completely uncensored yet always be worried about the, the the people from the conservative side or the it's not really just about conservative, but like, you know, how can you have boobs in your video game? Well, you know, of course, we there are games with boobs and, you know, it's just very funny that the, the hoops we've had to, to leap through over the years. It's, it seems like I mean, I just don't like the idea that Steam would offer such a great service and get these companies to perhaps de develop their infrastructure or their marketing around it, and then they're going to pull the rug out from under all these companies all of a sudden when, right. they, when they could offer something as simple as a section of their store that, that is for adults only. Uh, and I guess they're like one of the maybe defensible issues is that there are a lot of crap games on Steam. There are a lot of, of really poor quality visual novels that were slapped together with, with visual novel creating tools and they don't have much in the way of gameplay. So maybe that's one area where they're, you know, like, like a, a game that's, that's properly, a story that's properly told and has some, some weight and some literary or whatever that there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of really quality games and there's a lot of really crap games. So maybe that's what they're, what they're trying to do. I don't know, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just tricky. And it was just such a great, um, a great genre and it's so expressive to so many people because when you play a visual novel, you're you're actually inside the story more than any other kind of story that I can think of. Because you're, we just got we we just published a game called Sweet Home, which is a nuki gay, which is a game that's all about sex. And basically, you're a a college student who moves back with your stepmom, and meanwhile, your stepmom has rented out the rooms to the other to a bunch of girls, and so you basically are living in a harem life where you can do anything with these oh, girls. Yes. Well, fantasy. you're playing with headphones. I, and of course, it's it's an interesting job, but I have to play these games like a hundred times to get to check the text and stuff like that. So it's it's a dream job, but meanwhile, it's like I have to properly check it, and make sure everything's balanced and works correctly, uh, and doesn't crash. Um, but the, you know, it, it's just so interesting because you're you're playing with headphones and you're inside the story. In in the girl asks you what you want to do, this or that, and you have an answer, and it's just it's such an interesting medium. Um, and, and, you know, I, I really love visual novels. It's really cool. And I'm so glad to see them actually become, a, a you know, a thing. And, and the other thing is that visual novels are no longer a Japanese thing because 
every country in the world, they have visual novels made by Russia. Uh, you know, Thailand has visual novels, Korea, China. Um, every country has, you know, this, this interesting type of, of experience. And then Steam is the, is the method that they can then reach customers, get some money so they can make their next game. Um, and so we, we certainly want Steam to, to continue to be a positive force, not a negative force. Yeah. And I'm always talking with, there's, there's all these different companies that we work with, and we're often being approached by companies, Japanese companies, and they say, hey, we've got these games, we'd like you to publish them. And, and like already, like there, there's some downsides to Steam where we have to say, oh, that's too sexy for Steam. Can <laughs> we publish it and make money without Steam? Obviously we do because there's games that are too sexy for Steam. But but honestly, I mean, the there's a there's an economic factor there where, you know, if we if we publish an all ages game, we can publish it to Steam. We can get a lot of customers, um, and then we can also get the customers who want to buy the physical game. We can get the customers who want to buy it directly from us. That's fine. But the the economics is that all of the profit comes from Steam, and then we sort of we're so stubborn, like we're going to publish the package no matter what, even though we probably should look at, at not publishing a package anymore or publishing like a limited package, perhaps after we do digital distribution. Um, and we're very like, we like doing things the way we've always done them. So we don't really want to change, but, but based on what the, the flow of, of demand by customers is, that's what we should be doing. But it's really bad if we have to tell companies, Hey, we can't publish your game because it's too sexy and we wouldn't be able to make a profit because we can only sell like a thousand copies or 500 copies of the game directly, whereas Steam would allow us to sell, you know, whatever, 2,000, 5,000 copies. And and so Steam already is sort of deciding who will, who will whose games will be published and whose won't because there's all these decisions we have to make. And yeah. then there's another issue of that Steam, obviously everyone loves Steam sales. They love to get stuff for 50% off. And, and so really every customer it, never buying anything unless it's in Steam and unless it's on a Steam sale. I understand that and I do it myself, but that's really bad for the industry. So that's another area where it's, you know, obviously we're all human and we want to get that game for 40% off or whatever. But the fact that, that that's sort of, it, it's sort of just that, that that's become a treadmill where all the profit will come from Steam games and only during the Thanksgiving sale, not any other time. So... It doesn't help Obviously, the companies very much. Right. It's another area where, you know, it's just a delicate situation. So we'll just continue to do our best and, and bring out the best games that make the customers happy and make the Japanese licensors happy. Well, I, well, I definitely hope that this, that this visual novel industry continues to, to be viable. You know, this is something that I've been dabbling in for a long time. I, I remember when I played the... I'm looking at your site. I'm just looking at the games that you've got on here that I've already played. So I played, well, <laughs> I played Exchange. I've played. Wow. Definitely, Classic. definitely played. <laughs> that that def came out in 1997. Can you imagine? Yeah, I should not have been playing that game back <laughs> then. Um, Let's Meow Meow. <laughs> I played that and a whole bunch of these. And, and, you know, I mean, I've played games that are like from the thrilling Ever 17 to the, the heartbreaking Con a Little Sister to you know, the super dirty stuff. And there's just such a huge Did variety. Did you play the remake of Kana? We, we published Kana oh. Okaidi, which is a remake with, with higher resolution art and full voice. And I, again, I had to play that game, the, the most emotionally destroying and beautiful visual novel ever. I had to play it like 70, 80 times God. to test it all out. Oh, it just—I was a dish rag. It was hilarious. I, I'm honestly not sure, but that is a that is an emotionally destroying game. That yeah. is 
That's a tough one. <laughs> That's definitely a tough and, one. But and like, yet it's a glorious game with, you know, there, there's like eight different endings and, and there is a proper happy ending too. So don't anyone worried about oh. playing a game that's that's a sad game. There, it, it doesn't always have to be sad, basically. It's a, it's the game, Kana, Kana Emoto is the game that, that began the Emoto boom, the, the little sister sort of trope in anime where you're basically, you're, your sister is dying of renal failure and over the oh, course God, of the game yeah. you realize that oh no she's not going to be here forever and you both sort of reach out for each other and it's just amazingly done very very it's it's not it's not creepy weird it's just beautiful um so if you haven't played it you should certainly try it it's one of the really the classics yeah and, and like con a little sister is a game i would bring up when talking about the censorship issue because you know, I feel like it's a it can be very subject a subjective thing what should and shouldn't be censored because a game a game like Kana does have it does have sex scenes in it, but it's also a really beautiful story that's that I remember quite well even though I haven't played it in a long time. And it's just a very well put together, emotionally impacting story that I'm probably going to take with me yeah. for the rest of my life. So like, who's to say? So that, realistic because yeah. like the the guy, the the girl he likes in elementary school, and she sort of embarrasses him. Then in college, she still likes him, so he sort of dates her out of revenge, and then he then he's having a sexual relationship with her, but then he sort of gets his ultimate revenge by something in the game, and then he realizes, well, he was so stupid to try to get revenge because she was just a, a person who didn't mean to hurt him back in elementary school. Man, there's, this, there's like nothing like that. It's just incredible. You just, wow. Yeah, it's so it, to hear them to hear that they would censor maybe if if they were to censor a game like that, I would really question that because then it's like, well, you haven't played it, you just know that it has nudity in it, so you just blanketly. Oh. Right, and what if we were going to try to publish that game, which I would love to do, we would just you know blank out the the sex scene, so the, the themes would be there and not the sex scene, and then we would, currently we would then hope that that they would allow the game in, and and I like like. We've got some games that we're waiting to, for them to approve, and they haven't approved them yet. So, so we don't know where we'll be. Maybe six months we'll we'll do a follow up. But like, we've got games that are outstanding games that we should be selling to customers right now, and they're sort of becoming a not a not nice place to for these games to be distributed. So, uh, hopefully, they will rethink it. I mean, there's games that people have been begging us to bring out for forever. And we go to the Japanese licensor and say, hi, we want to do this. And the only way we can get permission is if we can can say, yes, we can get it on Steam. We can promise you all this, you know, various revenue, um, which is, of course, very, very important to the Japanese companies. They they just have no growth. There's, there's nothing good in the market for visual novels except for this kind of the potential for this kind of, you know, growth by, by getting their games on Steam. So if That's Steam dangerous. truly goes away, oops, what do we do? We've got games that we've already basically finished that we could be selling, and now we've got to figure out what to do about that. And so, we definitely want uh, Steam to to rethink their their what they're doing. That's a scary thing, you know. I don't. Right. Um, companies should have have some diversification in the where their revenue comes from, and yeah, you don't want to have all your eggs yeah, in a basket. Japanese like that. companies are not. They're 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 very slow to change, and they're very downside like. Like I, I deal with these issues all the time, but like if we'll literally say, okay, well, let's, you have a great game, let's publish it. And then they'll say like, well, but what if someone in Texas is upset by this, this game, we better not take that risk. Like one person might complain and we're like, who cares? You know, that 
the people will decide whether they want to buy it or not. Um, and then we're, we're the ones taking that risk. This is basically the model where we're the publishers of the English version of the game. So it's not, it's not on you anymore. It's us. We're going to obviously verify that, that customers who we sell our product to are 18 and over, things like that. Um, but yeah, the, the, potential for the Japanese companies we work with to not to just be very, very dynasty, you know, they're very slow to change and they want to keep on making PC games. And it's like, well, at some point, perhaps 10 years, and we've had a smartphone for 10 years, perhaps you could no longer make PC games and you could make smartphone games. You know, it's kind exactly. of like a trend that you maybe have noticed and they're still making PC games. The the company that made Rady, which is our, the, the, the visual novel about lesbian monster girls, they would still be making Rady games if if we let them. And, and we're like, no, no, you can't do that anymore. It's time to do something else. Or if you really must make that game, make it on a mobile platform or something like that. And they just don't want to change. Um, and, and so, yeah. That's weird because the visual novels, to me, seem like a, a, a style of game that would work well on a phone. So, I don't know. But, yeah, it's just the mentality, yeah. I guess. Also, as maybe I, it's that they don't want to like they, they know C, but they don't want to learn Objective C, or it's maybe it's like a technical thing. There's Japanese. Uh, I have a, a blog post. I think we've talked about this before, but a lot of people ask me, "Hey, I want to work in Japan. What can I do to do that?" And I my advice always is, "Well, it's actually not that hard to do. You generally need a degree in order to get a visa. So if you have a degree, really any degree, a four-year degree, you can you can get your visa. You can go and work in various fields." Whether or not it's a good job or not, that's obviously up to you know you to find that kind of job. But one of the areas, if you want to be in demand and if you have you know programming skills, mobile app skills, the the kinds of in demand, um, you know maybe SQL database or whatever, just things that are in demand, you'll find that Japan's technical level is much much lower than in England or America or whatever, and so you can. You can be in demand if you if you develop the skills, I and mean, if you have you know basic Japanese skills and things like that. But then, of course, whether or not that's good for you, it, you know, it's up to you to decide that. But um, yeah, it's they they obviously. I mean, you still. I mean, even Kankode, I think, is still Contact Collection is still a Flash based game. I don't know if they they upgraded past Flash. So can wow. you imagine something in the world today that is dependent on everyone installing Flash in their computers? Not really. Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't that, happen. That's sums up Japan for me. So um, I do have one more one more question for you because I don't want to take up your whole morning, but I, I did notice that you have my favorite visual novel on here that I've played, um, which is Tokimeki Check-In, which is also very cool. old. Love it. But love that game. Love that game. Um, so I find it interesting that because of the issue with Steam, you've been able to maybe maybe connect bridges with other companies that you might not have done or done previously. So yeah, definitely. In, in what way has um, that sort of ironically helped you create new relationships or how has that changed the way that you guys are doing business at all? Well, one of the the best attitudes to have is that whenever there's a problem, and this is what I think, I think anyone who, who runs a company and who's able to run a company for a long time does get, get, get good at this is, you know, oh my God, there's a problem. Like actually we sort of had a problem at, at Anime Expo where they said, oh, you know, you've got this adult material and it's sitting on this table and, and a kid could come up and shoplift it. And they were sort of not terribly happy about, you know, manga and the games that we had. And then our response to that last year was, of course, to do the room thing where, okay, we'll have a, we'll have a closed off room. Everyone can walk in 
check their ID, and then once they're inside, you know, boom, they're obviously adult, they can do whatever they want. And so that's sort of like when there's a problem and you have a, a solution that not only solves the problem, but turns it into an opportunity. So that's really good. And so whenever in your life, whenever you have that, oh my God, here's a problem. Well, how can you turn that around and make it into a good thing? Um, I think that's a good attitude to have and to, to sort of build up. Um, so yeah, definitely it's been, it's been great being able to, to work with a bunch of different companies. The downside is that I've got a whole bunch of games on my website that I don't know because I haven't had time to play all these new games now. So yeah. I need to like download them and play them because I like to be able to, to tell customers, hey, this game is really cool because this character is neat and you've got this relationship and you've got this really good voice acting and stuff. So so I've got to do some do some homework and play some new visual novels now, I guess. Yeah, well, you have a lot of work to do because I know that these games can be pretty long and <laughs> yeah, often yeah, require it's... multiple playthroughs. Yeah, you're, I mean, uh, the average game would be something like, you know, 25, 30 hours. Back in the days of Tokimeki Check-In, those were the really long games. Yeah, that game Literally, that, uh, that game had 17 endings, and each of them was just like a three- or four-hour thing, and just, oh, my goodness. So so games are a little bit shorter now. They're, they'll have, like, five endings, and there'll be, like, one main one for each girl, and there'll be a, a harem ending and a bad ending and whatever. Um, but, yeah, it's it's... It's, it takes a lot of work to keep up with things. Well, yeah, but it's good that people get their get their money get their money's worth when they make a purchase like that. So yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, when you uh, uh, often there's like like uh, Sweet Home, the game we just published has a, a hentai anime that I hadn't actually known about, and I just watched it. And of course, the when there's an anime, that's good because people often have seen the anime and then they come and buy the game. But the difference is just incredible. Where the game is you know, 40 scenes and, and lots of story and lots of little story arcs and then a, a really nice ending scene with each character when you finally choose her and she she becomes your your number one um, and then you have the ending. And and then the, the anime is all about just the sex scene, of course. And of course, hentai anime is never animated in Japan anymore. It's always done in the cheapest country for the lowest budget and mm. as as... It's really very different from anything we would call anime, and it's very different from the visual novel, which is crafted over years. I mean, just the we have a game called uh, Starless, made by the Bible Black artist uh, Sei Shoujo, and the guy basically went like five years over his time budget to make this game because he was just being so detailed with the art, and and they just you know delayed it for five years and then they published it. It was such a, an amazing achievement. The, the level of art and the level of every background and every character is just so beautifully drawn. And so it's quite different from if you go to watch the Starless anime, sure, it's a lot of fun or whatever, but it's very low quality. And so I always tell people, you know, definitely the game is where you want to be. That's where you really get that emotional connection. And if it's a, if it's a game about sex, you'll obviously get more sort of enjoyment that way. Yeah, I definitely, I'm, I definitely recommend that, that people check out this J, this Jazz USA website. I know that I know that nearly every listener I have is over eighteen, so Good. definitely, I would say probably ninety seven percent. So I mean, these games are very immersive. Like you know, it's it's on a, it's sort of a different type of uh, experience because the story really does kind of draw you into the relationship with the character as opposed to just being like a a third party viewer that you would be right. in a hentai. So I definitely recommend you guys check these games out if you haven't played one before. It's definitely a, a unique experience that you'll uh, and we do have quite a lot of all ages games of course we're the publishers of, of steins gate which is just an outstanding uh game about 
you know, time travel and time displacement and, and just, just incredible story. But the, the, the anime, of course, the anime is outstanding and I'm really enjoying the, the sequel right now. Yeah. But the game is cool because you have alternate endings. So you've got uh, Ferris has an ending and, uh, you know, Suzu has an ending. You've just got different, really, really well done endings instead of the main story. And then you've got the main ending and you've got the bad ending. So it's, it just really puts you on a, a level where you're just enjoying so much and you've taken you know 30 hours to finish it so you really have this long satisfying connection whereas the anime of course the anime is long too but you know it's it's there's a lot more content there. there's a lot more material a lot more base uh, like a focus on science in the game that was sort of just glossed over in the in the anime there you go something for everybody when you finish watching the, the the new steinsgate show you can come check out the game so and i know you guys i know you guys have a lot of other games too that are non-adult so Right. Definitely. Definitely check that out. Well, well, Peter, is there anything else uh, you want to you want to mention before I, I uh, send you off into the into the to the wide world? Um, no, just if you're on social media, if you want to follow us, our Twitter is at JList. Our, our uh, Instagram is at JListcom. And then our Facebook is j- Facebook.com slash JListcom. Um, and we, we love chatting with people and posting memes and posting gifts and stuff like that. And we, we try to be a like if you don't know what to watch now, I'll I'll watch a bunch of stuff and I'll do little you know do our blog posts about yeah the show is cool you should watch it, and I'll sort of pick up like here's something we can learn about Japan as a country or the language or the people or whatever through this through this anime. So all right, well, if you if you like that, please follow us. Definitely follow definitely follow J List on Twitter and definitely check out Jazz USA as well. Peter, this was a really fun one. Thank you so much. Okay, thanks. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. All right, talk to you later. Bye-bye.